either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Hey, are the theaters open yet? Not yet. No. Okay, but we've got plenty of streaming films to check out and talk about, and that's what we're going to do. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from madwolf.com, and let's start with the new film from writer-director John Stewart. It's a Democratic strategist helping a retired veteran run for mayor in a small conservative Midwest town. It's called Irresistible. Colonel Jack Hastings is our key back into the great now swing state of Wisconsin. He just doesn't know it yet. But I would like to offer my services. Can we quiet the cows, please? To help you run for mayor, dear Larkin. And if you could get some of them to face front. Oh my God. I am telling you guys, Jack could be the real deal. This little campaign of ours has caught the attention of the National Republican Party. Why are you here? Because crushing the last piece of hope in your eyes really gets me off. It's good to see you. Yeah. You look fat. <laughs> It's on here, boys. Game on. Tons of press. Lots of money. This seems a bit crazy. Yeah, John Stewart got into filmmaking about five or six years ago, I think it was, with Rosewater. Yeah. Not a comedy at all. No. Very dramatic and pretty impressive. Yes, I liked it a lot. Pretty impressive. But now he's back not only to comedy, but to political comedy, some political satirical comedy, which if you're a Daily Show viewer or, or were back in his day as we were, that was some real can't-miss TV, I think, yeah, at was. least for us. Yeah. Man. And I, I do have to say, Trevor Noah, we haven't been watching it regularly, but what I've seen, he's doing a good job. Yes, he really I think is. it took him a little a little uh, while to find his stride. I, yeah. And it's funny, we just don't stay up late enough to watch it, but <laughs> now, you know, now that it's uh, that it's you know from his home, yeah. I catch a lot of clips of it online, yep. and it, yeah, it's, it's no, really wonderful. I'm with you. He started slow, but I think he's on it now. But anyway, Jon Stewart has moved on to, to filmmaking. He's back in a comedy, and... If you know anything about Jon Stewart's comedy, he is smart and he is funny. And this movie is smart and it is funny. Even though it's a little less biting than maybe the mm-hmm. usual political commentary you used to see on The Daily Show, for us, that doesn't mean it's not effective. Yeah, one of the things that I appreciated about the film is that... So it really is focused on the political campaign machine. That's really what he's skewering. And again, as you said, very smart about it. And he's not, it's not a partisan skewering. He he takes apart both sides, because really there there are no sides when it comes to the actual campaigners. Mm-hmm. It's just their jobs. And it's like marketing. And I think that that's one of the things that works in the movie's favor. And, and, and in fact, the, the character that we're really brought in with, the lead, played by Steve Carell, is a Democratic strategist, which yeah. would be, generally speaking, Jon Stewart's quote, side. Yeah, we catch up with that character, uh, Steve Carell's, after the 2016 election. So he's hurting uh, from the (laughs) losses, and he sees this former Marine hero on TV, or on YouTube, I should say. It's a YouTube clip of this Marine hero just dressing down the city council in the town where he lives, Deer Lock in Wisconsin, the small Wisconsin town. And so right then, uh, he gets epiphany that that 
that guy, he calls it a redder kind of blue. Yep. And that's going to be the centerpiece of this nationwide outreach to expand the Democratic base. So he goes there and convinces Colonel Jack Hastings, played by Chris Cooper, by Always the way. Always brilliant. Great God, to see Chris him. Cooper. To run for the mayor of Deerlock. And then that, of course, gets the attention of the Republican machine, led by their strategist, Faith Brewster, played by Rose Byrne. So great. Who's great. And we'll get into that in a little bit. So she comes to town with all their money and their machines. So then you've got the two operatives going at each other on the battleground of this small town. And there's a lot riding on it, including one very funny sexual side bet between, <laughs> between the two of them that we won't go into. But then John Stewart uses this small-town America to speak on the larger issue of the entire political landscape. So you're right. The two parties, the endless unchecked cash, the pundit media that are all too happy to to fan the flames of the fear and the shame to all go into this. And it's just a complete mess, ridiculous mess, as the political landscape is right now. But the way he does it, it's a little more soft-pedaled. And I think that helps maybe to get a wider reach. I mean, you could call it a sellout, I suppose, uh, early on in the film, because a lot of these points that he's bringing up, they're not new. They're not exactly new points. They are quite funny. Mm -hmm. That's because of the writing and because of Carell and Rose Byrne, who are just fantastic. But then as it goes along, I think the beauty of the movie comes in in the final third. Because then you find out what he's been doing is placating your assumptions and your expectations all this time. For this beautiful sleight of hand. Yes, then to upend them. But he upends them in a way that's unassuming and you never feel like you're being preached to. No. Yeah, I agree with you. And and again, as you were saying, the thing that really makes this film work as well as it does is Carell and Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne, Steve Carell, of course, he's got to shoulder the whole movie. He's got to be likable enough that even with his condescending attitude, you still are rooting for him. Rose Byrne doesn't have to be. She she is so she relishes this character and she does such an incredible wicked funny job. It's of it. so great to see her in a in a role like this because we've we've always said, I think we're not the only ones, she's a great comedic actress. She yeah. has great comic timing. She can be she can be prissy funny, like in Bridesmaids. Yeah. She can be sexy funny, like in Get Him to the Greek. Mm-hmm. She can be raunchy funny, like in the sorority movie with Seth Rogen. All those things. Yeah. And she's great. And, and then to see her have roles like uh, like a boss, something like that, in just really weak comedies, you're just like, oh, she's capable of so much better. So you're right. She just sinks her teeth into this just real piece of work, oh, strategist. Yeah. And it's she's great so to see. Great. And her, her play back and forth with Steve Carell is great. And it works as a, as a comedy that way, but then, like, like we said, I think when it makes its its subtle shift, it does it in a way that it's sneaky smart because I think it does it in a way that leads a viewer to think they knew this all along and they probably didn't. Right. And that way, they don't come off feeling like they're being talked down right, to, right. which is actually one of the points of the film. Yeah, is that, that is, stop, yeah. stop talking yeah. down to the American public as if we're all idiots. Yeah, it yeah. is one of the... So, so, yeah, you're right. It's nice for Jon Stewart to practice what he preaches and not, not yeah. you know... That, that's exactly right. So he's, I mean, again, anybody that used to watch him on The Daily Show, if you're watching this movie and thinking, boy, this doesn't seem like Jon Stewart, just hold on. Yeah, it's not the, as angry. It's not as uh, strident, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's not as much late night TV. No. It's more like mainstream, even though it is rated R, it's more like mainstream movie making because, let's face it, if this is a message he firmly believes in, and I think he does, his convictions are, are on the table here, it's not. It's something he'd like 
a wide variety of people to see. And, and as you said, sure, there's a message in it, but you're not going to feel pre- like it doesn't overpower just the entertainment value. Right. It's, it's an entertaining film, and it's it's just stocked with really good actors. Chris Cooper, also Mackenzie Davis, who's great oh, yeah. in everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, as you said, it makes fun of both sides. Oh yeah. And, and the entire process. So we. Really liked it. It is funny, and it is sneaky smart, and it's irresistible. Next up, more of a family comedy, PG-13 family comedy. A hardened CIA operative finds himself at the mercy of a precocious nine-year-old girl, having been sent undercover to surveil her family, my spy. The mission was to find out what they knew, but that's kind of difficult now that you killed everyone. I just don't think you're cut out for the intelligence. This is your last shot. Are you CIA? How'd you get in here? Oh, okay, she has a camera. She might be streaming. If Kim finds out we got made by a nine-year-old, my career's over. What's the option? Kill her. Make it look like an accident. Yeah, maybe the stairs. What? Wow, still recording. We can cut a deal. I want you to teach me how to be a spy. But just to be clear, this is a one-time arrangement. Never again. I can't promise. So what's first? Shooting range, obstacle course? Or to walk away from an explosion? A lie detector test. I can smell a lie. Endorphins release an odor. And the ultimate tell, slightest blink of an eye. Learning like this? JJ, I admire all of your tattoos. Stop. JJ, I believe you that you've never taken steroids. Damn, she's good. So I don't know if everybody is aware of it, but by law, every giant wrestler turned actor must do at least one comedy with a little kid. It must be in the bylaws. And so this is Batista. I mean, look at it. You go all the way back to Hulk Hogan. He did, I think, a couple. Dwayne The Rock Johnson did that awful tooth fairy. John Cena just a couple of years ago. Just last just year. Just last year. That horrible playing fire department with fire. thing. Oh. So here we go. You're right. Dave Bautista and a little girl. And I can say without hesitation, this is the best of the genre known as the huge wrestler starring with a little kid. <laughs> the bar is not high. No, it is not. But this one surprised me because I think we were both going into this thinking, yikes. But Dave Bautista, let's start with him. He has shown his comedy presence. Yeah. In Guardians of the Galaxy, oh, especially yeah. the second one, he was a hoot. Yeah. So he's got the timing, and he's got charisma overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here he gets the chance to be a little more self-deprecating, and there's some charm in that, and maybe a little more physical comedy. And his chemistry with the girl, uh, Chloe Coleman is mm-hmm. her name. She's uh, been in Big Little Lies and some other things. And she's good, too, because she's cute without mugging. Right. And that's a big that's a it big is. selling point. It really is. So he ends up, he and he is trying to make the switch from black ops type of thing to CIA, uh, and uh, it's not going well. So he's kind of exiled to surveillance duty with his wannabe partner, played by Kristen Schaal, and they set up in Chicago down the hall in this apartment, and they are surveilling the little girl and her mother because they are related to some badniks, and they hope, the feds hope that the badniks will get in touch because of plutonium and stolen flash drives and all that stuff. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, the little girl, Sophie, she blows their cover in about five minutes and takes video and blackmails J.J., which is Dave Bautista, into being her friend. So they get together that way. And boy, do you think that Sophie's hot mom is going to warm up <laughs> to uh, J.J.? I think that might happen. So, uh. yes, you're going to know a lot about where this movie's going. You're going to recognize a lot of scenes from other movies. But the thing that makes this movie work, and it's not a classic, don't get me wrong, but it's very self-aware. 
it, it knows what it's doing. It makes fun of itself. It makes fun of tough guy catchphrases. It makes fun of action scenes. Heck, it makes fun of little kid sidekicks. Yeah. And there's some charm to that. And it's also, it does have some funny moments. It has some, some stretches where it drags as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was surprisingly entertained uh, by My Spy. And uh, I, I think it's one, you know, sometimes low expectations <laughs> benefit a film. <laughs> they really do. Because as I've been talking, as we both have been talking about this movie here for a couple days on radio and this morning on TV and then writing it up, it really sounds like, it's the greatest kind of comma. We're just really recommending this, I think, more than usual, just because it was... We expected it to be painful. I expected yeah. it to... I remember watching Tooth Fairy, that one with The Rock, mm. in the theaters at a screening. It was one of those promo screenings where we had a full full house, and everybody was clapping at the end, and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> that was painful. And that was a case. Nothing against the little kid in that one at all, but that was a case where it was just mugging. Yeah. Just mugging mm-hmm. for the camera. Look how cute I am, bat my eyes. And that was awful. But this just has, again, some self-aware humor, humor to it that, for me, goes a long way, and there's some, some actual funny lines. So Yeah, I mean, we're both Bautista fans, and um, I was so disappointed in Stuber last year because yes. we're also massive Camilla John yeah, fans. Yeah, that seemed like a great it pairing. It really did. It so did. And it was just, it wasn't very well written. And the direction did nothing to take advantage of the physical comedy that, you know, having a giant in your movie offers you. Mm-hmm. And it was just so disappointing. And I think that that, that film suffered from high expectations because, I, I you know, we both love those two actors so much. So this is better than that as well. I mean, yeah. It's just more entertaining it throughout. Is. Yeah, and this was directed by Peter Seagal, who directed Tommy Boy. That's right. One of Comedy your classic. <laughs> so, and he does take advantage of the things that you were just saying. And even the, the fake overly slow-mo action scenes are done pretty well so that you know, wink, wink, what we're doing here. And that helps. So, yeah, it's got some charm to it. My spy. And next up, a comedy musical, sort of, when aspiring musicians Lars and Sigrid are given the opportunity to represent their country at the world's biggest song competition, they finally have a chance to prove that any dream worth having is a dream worth fighting for. Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. Ever since we were children, we've had one dream. Winning the Eurovision Song Contest. All of Iceland thinks we are a joke. That's not true. And my father is ashamed of me. No, he's not. He looked me into the eyes and said, I am ashamed of you. Maybe he was drunk. He said, and you might think that I'm drunk, but I am dead sober. Idiot. 42 countries. Hundreds of performers. And a worldwide audience of 180 million. This is Eurovision. This is it. We have to prove to Iceland and my extremely handsome father that my life hasn't been a waste. We are big Will Ferrell fans. Oh, yeah. You know, not everybody is, which I don't understand for the life of me. Now, it's true. He does make a lot of duds. He's he really does. dogs. Yeah. But he makes some very, very funny movies. Very and even, funny. you know, it's funny. A lot of times in retrospect, a movie that I didn't love the first time I saw it, years later, I think, oh, this is kind of funny. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I think that's how this movie will be with parts of it. Yeah. Parts of it. Mm-hmm. This is on Netflix. This is PG-13. And it's a movie that Will Ferrell co-wrote, because this is an interesting story. His wife, Will Ferrell's wife, is Swedish, and apparently her family of Swedish origin are very, very big fans of the annual Eurovision Song Contest, and so that brought him into it and watching it, and I think he started watching it back in the, the late 90s, and has gotten attached to it, 
And when he started having an idea for this movie, they let him just really kind of sit in and, and go through rehearsals and really see everything behind the scenes. So he's got a personal connection to it. He co-wrote the script. It's directed by David Dopkin, who directed, among other things, Wedding Crashers. Hey, yeah. it's good stuff. It has its moments, but it's sort of a cross between Zoolander, about well, the dim-witted entertainer, I guess, or in Zoolander's case, model, and then Pitch Perfect because mm-hmm. of the music in this. And there is at least one sort of a cappella number, just out, just like it would be out of Pitch Perfect. And you've got a commentator. Instead of two, it's um, Graham Norton, that yeah. guy that we always see his clips on yeah. uh, Facebook. He gets. I don't, I've never seen his show, but yeah. from his clips, I'm like, damn, he gets, he gets good everybody. guests. On the show. So, yeah, Will Ferrell as Lars and Rachel McAdams as Sigrid. They're not brother and sister, although people think they are. They think we're probably not, are we? (laughs) And so they're from Iceland, and their dream is to win the Eurovision uh, Song Contest, even though they're not very good. In fact, the the contingent in their homeland doesn't really think a lot of them. But through one twist, twist of fate, they get in the contest. And that's pretty much what the movie is about and goes on. The thing about this movie, I think both of us, right away said, I mean, it's, it's a full two hours long. Mm-hmm. If you could have chopped 30 minutes off this movie. Easily 30. It would have just felt so much better because yeah. it really feels too long. Oh, it just drags and drags. And and in fact, you know, the first half of the film you spend going, uh-oh, like, uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, it does pick up. It does. By the, by the midway point. But by then, I mean, you've invested an hour of really not very many laughs. The opening 15 minutes, I thought, oh, boy. Yeah. We are, but you're right. Yeah. It, does, it does pick up. And it's going to be one. I think we've already done it today. We've, mentioned, we've uh, thrown out a couple quotes from it, just uh, like at lunch today or before lunch. So I think it's one that there are moments that will kind of linger and right. think, oh. That wasn't too bad, but the main takeaway from this is it was just too darn long. It really was. And it, I mean, it, it dragged. It, it dragged does. and dragged it, in yeah. certain spots. And then, you know, as you're saying, that it's got a lot of Zoolander in it, and it does have a lot of Pitch Perfect in it, and actually more than it needed to because mm-hmm. I don't think the actual song sequences are funny. Yeah. Um, the, the the song mishaps with Fire Saga themselves, well, first of all, they're plot points that are important, but also they're they're pretty funny. But I think that they were trying to make some, you know, sort of take a jab at these kind of shows and about modern pop music and, and maybe about the acapella movies themselves. And they're just not funny. They're just not. Well, I think part of it might be I'm just guessing here, because of Will Ferrell's personal attachment, he doesn't want, I don't think he wants to make fun of the contest as much as he's doing his character mainly. So a lot of the the musical numbers aren't going to come off as maybe satirical as they might. Yeah, I mean, I think they were all supposed to be somewhat funny. You've got the uh, you've got the Russian singer played by Dan, Dan Stevens, Dan Stevens yeah. who's funny, and his song is, is pretty funny, and, you know... Yeah. But Demi then, Lovato shows yeah, up. Yeah, she does. And, but but then they they you know as they go through the different semifinals and the finals, they'll spend some time. I mean, way too much on songs that you can tell are meant to be somewhat comedic. Somewhat comedic doesn't cut it, especially yeah. when your movie is already thirty minutes too long. I mean, the song you know, and there's the one, the the singer from Greece. And she's sort of another sort of minor character. And I think that her it was supposed to be her dance number mm-hmm. that was supposed to be sort of really yeah. funny because of this weird sexual manner. And then they've got these one dancers with this sort of giant balloon heads on. Right. But they didn't make enough of it to actually be funny. And honestly, by today's standards, the dance number was really tame. <laughs> yeah. So it's a pretty toothless parody. So anyway, that would be my first complaint, really, is that there were just too many. As you know, I hate musicals anyway. <laughs> too many not funny songs. Yeah, yeah. But it... 
it does have its moments. So if you if you want to hang with it again, you you I'll be surprised if you don't come out of it thinking, man, that was just too darn long. But uh, it has its moments. Is the best thing I guess you can say about the Eurovision Song Contest. And you'll be shouting ya ya ding dong. <laughs> yeah, and we're not going to say why, but uh, I agree. You'll be shouting ya ya ding dong. And next, it's the latest from writer-director Hirokazu Kurita, a stormy reunion between scriptwriter Lumiere with her famous mother and actress, Fabienne, against the backdrop of Fabienne's autobiographical book and her latest role in a sci-fi picture as a mother who never grows old. You follow that? It's called The Truth. Do you want to take a little bit of care of the people who are all together? I prefer to have a good mother and a good friend than a good actress. That you wanted to show her a happy family, but that's not going to make her jealous. <laughs> Well, this is the follow-up to Corita's Oscar-nominated film Shoplifters, which was a great film. Oh, it really was. And people have been waiting to see what he did next because, because it was such a, such a remarkable movie. And there, there are a lot of things about this film that are somewhat similar because it's about kind of a weird collection of family members and it's about family and what makes a family. Exactly what Shoplifters was. Right. In Shoplifters, it was about making a family where you find it, not mm-hmm. necessarily blood-related. And here it dives into the family and very much blood-related and a dynamic mainly between this daughter played by Juliette Binoche and the mother is Catherine Deneuve so there's some top grade talent right you're there. not kidding yeah you're not kidding I mean when the you know when the also ran in the category is Ethan Hawke you're doing pretty well in terms of casting and the film is very interested in actors and being an actor and separating the you know the performance from reality and it's also really a tribute honestly to Catherine Deneuve I mean yeah. it's it's it this movie is in love with Catherine Deneuve <laughs> and as is this character, Fabienne, yeah. is very fat, inf- infatuated with Fabienne. Mm-hmm. And actually, having Juliette Binoche in it reminded me at times of her great film, Clouds of Sils Maria. Exactly. Where she played an actress. So And it, she played the older version, version of, of herself. Yeah, yeah. It was it's interesting in that way, but but still it's a different uh, dynamic and as our this was written, the uh, re- review was written on MadWolf.com by Matt Weiner, who wrote a very good review. Yes. And he was very incisive about the fact that this movie is interested in, in honesty and art. Yeah. And the circle as they go back within one another, especially involving how this woman sees her mother and how her mother sees herself yep. and maybe the the legend of herself. Mm-hmm. So very interesting that way. So a big recommendation. And and please check out the written review uh, from Matt at madwolf.com. But a big recommendation for The Truth. Next is a documentary on the times and life of the unique Ella Fitzgerald. It's called Ella Fitzgerald, Just One of Those Things. It don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. Deep within her was an immense amount of ambition and drive. Ella was doing something that hadn't been done before. Artists like Ella had fought that fight, break down those barriers for people like me. People truly loved She was Ella. This is a film that you can watch and should, if you have uh, the opportunity, streaming from the Wexner Center for the Arts at wexarts.org. Yeah, and it's by director Leslie Woodhead, and it features some really nice narration by uh, actress Sophie Okanido. I love her. Yeah, and she does a nice job with this. And obviously, it's about Ella Fitzgerald, who, if you don't know, one of the great voices of 
American music, uh, especially in jazz, but she covered um, the Great American Songbook. She covered, of course, swing and bebop, and she's known as perhaps the greatest scat singer of all time. So if you don't really know anything about her, or maybe just a little bit, I, I would recommend this. It's told in a pretty much by the numbers type right. of type of presentation. A lot of archival footage, a lot of lot of interviews, some old interviews with Ella, who passed away in 1996, with uh, friends and family and colleagues, and it, it tells a great story. I mean, she started out uh, reform school, homelessness. And her entire career got going at an amateur night as a 16-year-old at the legendary Apollo Theater, where she showed up to dance. She wanted to be a dancer, but then she saw dancers ahead of her and thought they were too good, and she thought she couldn't win, so figured, I'll sing instead. That's crazy. I mean, that's such a crazy story. Yeah, and that's how her career got started. And it's one of, of perseverance and courage, determination, and, of course, incredible talent. And really the highlight for me, other than the performances... The highlight for me is really a, a, a clinical breakdown in musical terms of why she was viewed and still viewed as such an incredible scat singer. Yeah. Uh, what that means and the talent you have to have to do that and and how she had such an otherworldly ability to do it. I thought it was extremely fascinating and informative and really the highlight of the film. But uh, if you want to catch it, there's an easy way to do that. You can get it, as Hope said, at the Wexner Center for the Arts, a great center here in Columbus, Ohio, through their website, streaming now at wexarts.org. And let's finish up with a fun horror movie. You know, we love that. Yummy is an orgy of food, blood, violence, and fun in which a young couple travel to a shabby Eastern European hospital for plastic surgery. It's Yummy. Dr. Kravchek is very brilliant surgeon. You're in the best place, in the perfect hands. Wait, stop. Stop immediately. I saw a man eating a man. You saw a man eating what? <laughs> Well, I think the irony here is calling this movie yummy because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it might might spoil your appetite. There's a lot of goo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, um, don't eat while you watch it. You know, there because it's it's an assault on your gag reflex for a, for an awfully long time. <laughs> and I think that you know, if you're it's a zombie movie, it's a zombie comedy, and it's on Shutter by the it way. It is on Shutter, and um. If you're going to make a zombie comedy, let's be honest, there are a lot of other options. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. So either you have to have a completely novel premise or you just have to uh, up the ante in terms of gore. And so that is <laughs> really the direction. Yeah, that's the direction this one went. <laughs> Not that the premise isn't isn't interesting enough. I mean, it's it's a good setting because... Michael is just driving because he's not the patient, and his girlfriend is going to this cut-rate Eastern European, inexpensive, Eastern European cosmetic surgery clinic to have breast reduction surgery. But her mom is also going to have just a series of nips and tucks and things. <laughs> and um, and so it's a great place to start because obviously, I mean, right away, oh, a cut-rate right. plastic surgery clinic in a horror movie. That's what I want. Exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a great environment for a horror Just film. Just make it a drive-through. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then the mom, you know, it's it's a way, because horror films really like to punish vanity. And so it gives you the opportunity to do that. And then the girlfriend, Allison, 
she is the comedic perspective because zero people who have come to this cosmetic surgery clinic understand her point of view at all. <laughs> at all. They're used to the other way. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody knows what? What are you doing? And and it's so, you know, so there's a lot of comedic a lot of comedic possibilities there. And then, of course, anytime you're in a hospital setting, there's a lot of opportunity with blood, pus, liquid fat, <laughs> this, tendons, entrails, anything you can think of. Again, this is on Shudder, and it's from director, co-writer, oh, this is going to be tough, Lars Damaso. Close enough. Close enough. Let's just call him Lars. Let's call him Lars. He does a really good job of keeping the pace going, of keeping the mood light at the same time, quite gross. And, you know, the, the performances are really solid and the writing is very solid. So, again, the, the plot itself is not going to give you a lot of surprises, not a lot of opportunities to be like, oh, I didn't see that coming, you know. Um, and it's not terrifying, certainly, although it is, you know, it's 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 a full it's an R rated horror film. It's not like one of those movies later you're going to be like, oh, Shaun of the Dead. It's not really horror. This is a horror <laughs> film. This is a horror film. But it's it's incredibly entertaining. I mean, it's it's not a masterpiece at all, but you will be entertained if you don't gag. Yummy. All right. Again, no lobby for obvious reasons. And I think the one of us who doesn't like musicals uh, is in for a tough week next week. What's coming out? <laughs> Hamilton. Now, let me say something. I enjoy Hamilton, okay. though not as, as much as you do, and I'm only going to watch it the one time. <laughs> All right. Hamilton is the big one next week. Cannot wait. Also, Chechnya. That sounds like a horror movie. It is not, actually. It is an LGBTQ HBO film documentary, an incredible amount of access. It's it's going to be pretty great. All right. Well, I stand corrected. Sorry about that. Skyman comes out next week. The Outpost, uh, another what sounds like a great documentary, certainly a great subject. John Lewis, Good Trouble, that comes out next week. And also The Relic. Yeah. That sounds like a horror that movie. That is a horror okay. movie. Okay. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I get one right. So that's next week. In the meantime, uh, let us know what you thought about this week. Uh, Irresistible, My Spy, Eurovision Song Contest, The Truth, The Ella Fitzgerald, or the on Shutter, yummy. Always love to keep the conversation going about movies. Easy to find us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can get all of our written reviews all the time and other fun stuff like our horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That's all found at madwolf.com. So always, always, we thank you for stopping by. If you would do us a favor while you're here and subscribe, rate, and review, we would appreciate it. Yes, we would. Would. Until next week, she's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. Yeah, yeah, ding dong. <laughs> Can't argue with that. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>